Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Come on. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined, as always, by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. Today is Wednesday, February 10th, the Wednesday show. Um, And, John, I, I didn't, like, listen. Someone offered me tickets to the consecutive wins parade. I declined because mm-hmm. I, I just, I just, I just can't. I just can't. I'm booked solid. I can't. I can't. We, should we start? Should we talk about the fun stuff before we get too depressed? I think so. Yeah, there's okay. a, some cool stuff before we get into that. Yeah. Okay. So the cool stuff is money. Uh, Matt Ishbia, uh, who honestly, most people probably don't know who that is. I know who that is because he went to my high school in Birmingham, Michigan, which is big time flex. We have him and Tim Allen. Those are literally (laughs) the two, the two people we've got that I can think of anyways. Um, and Ishbia, if you do know him, you know him as the, I'm going to give it five, 10 dude who tried desperately desperately to score in Michigan state's national championship win over Florida at the very last second, but missed a wide open layup. Um, yeah. So 15th man on the national championship team has done very well for himself. He is a recently minted billionaire. Uh, he's not now, just a billionaire. He's the, according to Forbes, the 171st wealthiest man in the world. <laughs> It's insane. I don't know how that happened. Dude, um, well, actually, driven, I do. Mortgage, mortgages. Driven specifically by that missed layup in the national championship, it has yes. driven him to work harder than every man in the world. Yeah, and it's pretty obvious that uh, what, what that that one missed layup changed his life. So he is now like the the CEO and president of. Uh, a mortgage company that's the second largest mortgage company in the world, in the States, at least. Um, the whole the point of this whole thing is he's loaded and he gave $32 million to the athletic department uh, and earmarked it for both football and basketball. That 32 million, just to put it into perspective is significantly more than what Draymond Green gave. And Draymond Green is not hurting for money. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny. The I've heard somebody put it this way. One time it's like, the basketball player is rich. The guy who signs his checks is wealthy. 
I think that's the difference between Draymond and Ishbia right now. Ishbia is full on wealthy and is flexing on everybody by donating 32 million to MSU. And it's awesome. John, I'll let you speak. Uh, yeah, MSU athletics at the moment currently doesn't speak broke. Like this is an incredible gift that is going to help the program significantly. I like to think Mel Tucker is sitting in his office and then he gets a phone call and they're like, sir, uh, Matt Ishbia on line one. And he's like, I'm sorry, who? And they're like, you should really take this. And he's like, I'm pretty busy. And he's like, they're like, no, I, I know it's weird. Take the call. <laughs> and he's like, $32 million to the athletic department. And Mel's like, clear my schedule. Let's yeah, <laughs> now hold on. <laughs> and the other thing is to consider is, you know, a lot of folks, especially our, our rival friends, like to point out that Amani Bates is never going to you know, set foot on any slancing. I'm here to tell you, folks, you can make more money at Michigan State than you can in the pros with this type of donation. Like <laughs> that's a bit tongue in cheek, but two million was given to Tom Izzo at his discretion, which is just an what an amazing earmark. Like, hey yeah. Tom, here's two million. Um, buy lotto tickets. I don't care. Do whatever you want with this money. No, this is the Imani Bates bag. Let's make no mistake about it. This is exact. That is not earmarked for Tom Bezos. That is earmarked for one Imani middle name here, Bates. It's that like, is, that like is what that's for. In, in the clause, it's like two million given to Tom Izzo, parentheses, wink, wink. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, discretion is in uh, air quotes. Yeah, so um, discretion. So there's gonna what we do know is there's going to be an expansion of the football center, which was um, needed um, to compete with the, you know, the it's an arms race as we've talked about. You know, <laughs> if if your your stuff's ten years old, it's ancient, which is unfortunate. Yep. But um, that's where we're at. So new locker rooms, meeting spaces, recovery centers, like dining areas, like everything's going to get an an entire renovation. Um, I'm not sure when they're going to start, you know, renovations, but I think Mel Tucker mentioned in the presser, like he would be willing to go out with a shovel today and start work. (laughs) Like, let's go get it going. So um, personally, I would, I would let that happen for the memes for the Mel Tucker memes. (laughs) I also like the idea of Mel Tucker being like, yeah, I'm just going to get started. Like you guys yeah. <laughs> get the construction company here when you need to. I feel I would be remiss to not get this going. So, um, I love it's, it. it's awesome news um, for the, the athletic department and um, kind of out of, out of the blue as far, I guess, for me. Um, so uh, you're up, Magic Johnson. Yeah, uh, no kidding. <laughs> the Ir- Irvin. It's time to maybe sell a little bit of those Dodgers and give it back to your Spartans. It's just crazy because, like, I – this is officially dating me because they're redoing the football building that got redone, like, not that long ago. I know. I was in school there and you were in school there. And it's just – it's dope. I'm thrilled about it. So the the Ishbia Center. But it's old. But it's old. I know, but it's old now, but that's just how old I feel. It's like 10 years. You're like, nah, you're broke as hell. So let's You are listening to us have a realization live on how old Yeah, This was what you call your third third of your life crisis that's happening on (laughs) air. 
Oh, man. Speaking of crisis, you want to talk <laughs> basketball? <laughs> yeah, that's why, that's why you're the best. Um, not really. Uh, I'd rather I'm, not, but we will. Okay, so before we get into this, I just want to preface, especially if you're a new listener, um, we've been doing this for a little bit, and I would like to say that we've been, like, pretty positive, like, very yeah. overwhelmingly, you know, grass is greener, silver lining, things can get better, not just with this team, just for the past however many years. You know, especially during those January droughts, you know, where MSU would lose four games in a row for the past, seems like, four, three or four years, and we would be like, it's okay, this is normal, you know, and try and, like, kind of just, you know, ther- therapy yeah. session, everyone through it. We are heel turning. This is the time. We have changed our tune, and if, if you don't like if you don't like it, I'm sorry. Uh, this is, um, hey, man, I don't know what to tell you. This team yeah. continues to disappoint me. So let's just walk through the actual games real quickly and then come to, like, our big, you know, here's the larger scale statement on where we're at in this season because I have thoughts on all of these things. First off, we're going to go in the Wayback Machine Lost to Iowa, 84-78. This is one of those games that in a normal year, I'd be like, you know what? What are you going to do? On the road against Iowa, great team. You held them below 90 points, which in and of itself is impressive. I thought you got great, a, a nice game from Marcus Bingham, which I've been his biggest critic. I will remain his biggest critic, uh, but has brought an element to this team that I think has, has trended them in a positive direction for sure. They only committed eight turnovers. Great. Okay. Normally you're thrilled about that this year. Don't care. Expected next game. Really? You can almost lump these next two into one, but go ahead. Wait a second. Here's where I got a little, this is what turned me off is losing at Iowa who I'm going to go to. They're not good. They're not, they're not great. I'm sorry. They're not. And in Iowa, it's this was always going to this was always going to happen. So what turned me off is and I appreciate everyone being positive. And and usually that's our thing. Losing to Iowa. Michigan State doesn't do moral victories. They don't. And the moment we start like moving the goalposts to saying like, hey, well, we only lost to Iowa by six. Are we Rutgers? Like, like it's okay to have standards for your program. So I'm just, I wasn't thrilled to see and hear a bunch of like, hey, maybe we're moving in the right direction because we only lost by a little this time instead of a lot. It's like, God, come on. Like this right. is a 22 game, a 22 year, you know, NCAA tournament streak. And you'd like to see a team like Michigan State be able to finish out a, a, an Iowa team that frankly, they, they played like they normally do. Like, and they're not good. And I'll get into them in their preview in a little bit. But yes, after that game, you know, even Tom Mizzo said he thought they were going to win that game. It had all the feelings like they were, MSU was going to pull it out too, but they, you know, stepped on their own feet a million times. And then um, Tom Mizzo brings back the war drill. And that's when they, you had my attention where I was finally, I was like, okay, this is like the final shot. I'll give you Michigan State you know, basketball season. Tom's bringing back the war drill. I'm, I'm interested. And then the Nebraska game happened and I'll let you tell what happened there. You know, yeah, I mean, 
I think all you really need to know about that game is that, like, it MSU beat Nebraska by 10 at home. Like, 22 turnovers. Rocket Watts looked completely lost. Hauser didn't score. The team still can't shoot from three. There was no positive... Uh, momentum forward from what could have been misconstrued, could have been construed as a, you know, quote unquote, acceptable loss to your point, John, we don't do moral victories, but you know, yeah, whatever. Um, in, and you only won by 10. In Nebraska went 11 for 24 from the free throw line. <laughs> yeah. I mean, MSU just decided, okay, we did some positive things against Iowa. Now we're going to undo all of that positive everything so i mean the defense is okay you know they held nebraska to 56 points that's great but again you you can't come out of that game feeling any better about you know michigan state like way to go you beat nebraska twice don't care and then that transfers into this penn state game msu manages to win by two um did everything they could everything every single thing they could to lose this game uh and penn state just simply wouldn't wouldn't have it they're like we are absolutely going to lose this game there's nothing you can do about it i mean the last uh two possessions really the last minute of the game was horrible to watch i mean it went started with you know msu up two i think it was with the chance to go up for and essentially put the game away with about uh, about a minute left on the clock. Aaron Henry promptly throws the ball directly to Penn State, who comes down the floor. Um, I think she was may have been up four and Penn State cut it to two at that point or something like that happened where they missed a shot. Josh Langford gets a rebound, goes down to the other end, can make two free throws and end this game. Make it a two-possession game with like 15 seconds left. This is the oh. front end of a one-on-one. Yep. One of one and one Penn you're State senior. comes down. You're Whatever. Senior. What? Your senior misses. You're a 24 year old senior. Um, and you essentially what it amounted to was Penn State missing two more or less wide open shots in the last 30 seconds and MSU right. turning the ball over and missing the front end of a one and one. It just tells me that this like and now as we as we zoom away from that, you know. This team just doesn't have it. Like, and, and I think the most frustrating part about this, first we'll talk about the team and then we'll talk about the fan reaction. The, the most frustrating part from a team perspective is that there is zero consistency from any player. I would say Aaron Henry is the only player that goes out every night and probably consistently performs. So not only is there no real consistency, there is no marked improvement in anyone's play. I mean, I, I ask you, John, what player on this team has taken a step forward in terms of their individual play? I can think of maybe one, maybe I, two. That's a good question. And I think Graham Couch, you know, LSJ writer said it best. Aaron Henry does so much for this team that if any other player had an Aaron Henry performance, it would be the story. And you know, he's consistently bailing out the offense, taking it upon himself to score, playing um, a ton of minutes, uh, not just a ton of minutes. Aaron Henry's playing, um, averaging 31 minutes a game. Now that's starting to reach 
uh, Cassius Winston levels of concern back, you know, in years past. But in the past three games, he's played at least um, 32, 38 three games ago. Aaron Henry's the only person that you can look at and say, like, I know I'm going to get this out of you. And by the way, I also know I'm going to get three or four turnovers out of you, too. But regardless, he's the only consistent player for me. Did you have anyone else? No, he's the only consistent one. I would say the only other players that I think have taken. Well, I will say this. I think Josh Langford is consistent. He's just consistently below average. Yeah, that's. In terms of players that have taken a step forward, I would say I will give the slightest. Uh, no, this is the only player that deserves credit, in my opinion, and that is probably Julius Marble. Julius Marble is out there playing when he plays, which I, which brings me to a whole nother point. Like when he plays, he's good. I don't I He can shoot the ball a little bit. He's a tenacious rebounder. He's actually athletic. Like he is a good player. I do not understand why he is not playing 20 plus minutes a game, splitting that with Marcus Bingham. And I have to give Bingham some credit. I'm, a, I'm his biggest hater, but he, we talked about this before. He at least brings an element to the table that would cause another team some type of issue, whether he can get a rebound or not, block a shot or not. He's at least something that's getting in the way. Mm-hmm. So like that's an, that's another player that needs is starting to play more mm-hmm. or better or worse. He's your He's best option. A, yeah, a half step. Yep. And, and, and yeah. Yeah, he's he. We got to give him a little bit of credit because you we know his shortcomings, and we've yeah. we've we've outlined those ad nauseum. Mm-hmm. But when he sticks to the things that he can do well, it helps this team. Like that's all you ask for, you know. Yeah, and I think my biggest gripe has been that we should be asking for more, and he should be giving more because he's a friggin' junior and he's played started all of his first. Yeah. More or less, most of his first two years. So whatever. That's beggars can't be choosers. I suppose. Yeah, ex- exactly. At this point in time, now it's not just the things we laid out, but I think what's even more disappointing to me is that the lack of like. I understand there's COVID. I I 100% get that. I know it's not an easy year, but other teams are doing it, and we see it year in and year out that players take steps forward, and we're getting nothing from from anybody on this team. And to be honest with you, it it needs to happen. It has if this team, even if you want to make the tournament, you need somebody else to to step up and be remotely consistent because the players you thought going into this season you trusted trusted would be your night in and night out quote unquote big three were Joey Hauser, Rocket Watts, and Aaron Henry. Henry has delivered. I would say Henry has maybe even slightly overachieved mm-hmm. from what you thought you're going to get out of him this year. The other two. I mean, disappointment doesn't even begin to like quantify what what the feeling people probably have towards towards these two guys. And I think what we're seeing is this team, from what you'd expect from a normal Michigan State team, I think you have uh, from a really good Michigan State team, which is a team we think is capable of making the Final Four. Aaron Henry's your probably your third, yeah, probably your third fiddle maybe your second fiddle if you're really in a pinch and that first fiddle is pretty damn good. Uh, he, he can't carry the team. And until there's somebody else that can step up and do something, it's seems just not really, not really, not really going anywhere. And it's fine. I mean, everybody has these years and Hey, great. You won two games, but like 
we've seen, I guess I'm kind of rambling here, but we've seen undermanned Michigan state teams, pull it together, play like a team and win games. They're not supposed to win and like be this cohesive unit grow throughout a season season. And even if they make it as a nine seed, like the miles bridges year is freshman freshman year, even if they make it as a six or a seven, that's clearly not talented enough to make a deep run. You've at least got a group of guys that are playing like a team that know their roles and kind of understand here's what we do well, here's what we don't, let's play to our strengths. I don't see any of that with this team. That's the part that's so concerning is I don't think they know what their best attributes are and they know who's the best equipped to give it to them. They don't know what their strengths and weaknesses are, so they can't play to them. And I feel like that, as much as it falls on the players, to me, this is this season's biggest disappointment is the coaching. Because if there was ever a season where you needed a Hall of Fame coach and a, roster, and a group of assistants that's been around for a long time together to figure things out and put guys in position to succeed, it's this year, given all these variables. And they have all failed. Make no excuses for Tom. They have failed miserably in that regard. So that's my diatribe. I'll let you jump in. So you're right. And if you know, I said we're not going to have any silver linings, I guess I just can't fully do that so i'll give you one. <laughs> yes everyone seemingly has been under delivering this year for the first time this season that i can remember that in a game that msu was backed into a corner and they didn't crumble and punched back was something happened at the t- under four timeout official tv timeout 316 left in the game and MSU is down two, and Mirion Jones was going to the line to shoot two free throws. I don't know what happened in that huddle. Something happened. Good. Great, even. Regardless, Tom Izzo made a great choice. He put the best five guys on the floor that he needed when he was going to be down four with under four to go. But not only that, the best defensive roster he could have put out there. Um, And from 316 left in the game, to 46 seconds left in the game was the most focused and inspired basketball Michigan State has played all year. Aaron Henry missed uh, a jump shot, and Rocket Watts came in for an offensive rebound and tipped the ball in. I I was shocked when I saw that it was Rocket Watts that flew in for the tip layup. I believe it may have even been his first offensive rebound all season. I'm not kidding. Then they played incredible defense um, and, and forced Miles Dredd into a missed jump shot. Malik Hall, man rebound. Then they th- they worked the ball down in the post and forced John Harrar to finally play defense. Joey Hauser gets fouled, um, misses the first, but gets it gets it back as of a lane violation and makes two free throws, and all of a sudden it's tied up. Then they force Mirion Jones into another very difficult shot. Marcus Bingham uses both hands and rebounds the ball. And, you know, we make it down the court. Malik Hall has a tough... He's had struggling shots all year. I hated this shot. But Aaron Henry, offensive rebound. And uh, Bingham goes doesn't go up full that strong, but goes up strong enough to get fouled and calmly makes both free throws to go up too. Now, things went a little sideways, as we already outlined after this play. But two defensive possessions that were inspired, two offensive possessions that were peak Michigan State basketball, which is crash the glass, out-tough somebody, because Michigan State got out-toughed for 37 straight minutes on the glass by a guy who 
is by all intents and purposes, I'm sure, a really nice guy. But John Herrar cannot, cannot be out, out rebounding our entire front court. And he did. So um, I was just inspired by that moment. And it made me say, okay, there was a glimpse. Can you do that against a real team? That's what's that's what you know is out. The jury's out on. Yeah, and, and that's a great point. I mean, way to way to make it positive. Um, and yeah, I give them credit for for toughing it out at the end. It's but this was kind of the reaction that I gave on Twitter after the game, where I was like, I'm not excited. Like that's great, you beat Penn State, and okay. But if it takes a comeback in the last minute to beat Penn State at home by two, that's bad. You're in a bad you're in bad shape if that's something you need to do. Um, and the response I got was like, oh, they're they're uh, Ken Palm top 30. This is a better team than their record. Oh. And my OK, my point back to that is who cares? Like what? What what program have you been following? Who do you who are you associating with? Like this is. Michigan State. And I hate to sound, you know, hoity-toity and all of that, but like, are our standards not higher? Like, uh, is that not, we have a Hall of Fame coach who made the tournament 22 years in a row. I mean, the last time there was an NCAA tournament, this was a Final Four team. And these are, this is an experienced roster and we're going to say, hey, way to go. Way to beat a sub-500 Penn State team at home by two when you tried really hard to choke this game away. Like, again, I'm not – I'm just not going to get too excited about it. And once again, we're rolling out a new lineup. Malik Hall, I thought, played well, but, like, Joey Hauser coming off the bench, like, we're still grasping at straws at this point. And it's February. And there are a lot of really difficult games left on the schedule. So, yeah, it's nice to get this win. It's a win you had to have, but to to say anything more than okay, we won a game is really just so grasping at straws. And yeah, it's nice because we're going to be on the bubble. I'm sure Penn State will be in the relative neighborhood of that, but like it's Penn State basketball. Like, are we really like I really like we're going to get excited about that? This team hasn't made the tournament ever. Like, I don't know. So. Uh, at this point, until this team, until I watch them, and, and, and again, I'm, I am not convinced this is going to, to happen. Until I watch them and I see, okay, it looks like they have an identity. They've, I've seen a couple demonstrable steps forward from players that we need to take steps forward. Until you see legitimate progress, it's hard to get excited. And to be honest with you, like I'm sure other programs would be watching this team being like, Oh, they've got a shot at the tournament. I'm pumped. I'm going to watch every minute. I'm, I'm beyond dedicated. It's like, I'm a, like, no, I, I can't get that level of excited when we're so used to, you know, I'm just used to a better product. And I think fans should be upset. I mean, it's great to support the team. I, I agree with that, but you should be, you should expect more from your basketball team if you're a Michigan State fan. I think you've so seen there. You go. I think you've seen Tom Izzo take a different approach too. You know, you you saw an old Tom Izzo, very fiery, angry. You know, expecting more out of these guys. He's recalibrated. He, mm-hmm. you know, he is not as fiery um, at the players because he's kind of taken a. I think you can tell he's taken a step back and said like, okay, this is a different. Yeah. 
product, then, and I'm going to have to coach it appropriately because, you know, I, it's a different, the standard has changed this year. doesn't mean it will forever and it won't. I think you've just seen Tom take a step back, you know, and mm-hmm. said like, I can't get mad at guys. I can't get mad at these guys for not being whatever enough because they're just simply not as good as some of my past individually talented players that I've had. So, right. um, and now it's up to him to figure out a way to make this team win games. I mean, like this, this, this is true. I think the majority of what we're going to like the responsibility for winning games moving forward falls on the coaches, not the players, because yep. you know what you've got now. The hand is yep. dealt. You've played 17 games this season. You know what you have and what you don't have. Find a way to put those pieces of which there are many, put those pieces together to make something that can, that can win you enough games to get in. Like that, yeah. that's, this now falls, in my opinion, completely on the coaches. And I love the idea of Hauser being on the second team. It's too difficult for him to find offensive rhythm when Aaron Henry and Josh Lankford are on the floor, apparently. So if he's the number one um, option of the second group, then he's more confident and comfortable looking for his shot, whether it's a low post, um, which he's seemingly comfortable doing. I think that's a strong that's a can it's a move that we can monitor um you know, sure. they play they play iowa this saturday um one note um the illinois game has been rescheduled for february 23rd uh, so you know enjoy the break because it's going to get fast and fur- furious again as uh some of these games are made up uh still indiana and michigan are have not been rescheduled but um we'll We'll, we'll keep monitoring that if that happens. And if the Big Ten tournament happens, maybe they get rescheduled then. Iowa is doing Iowa things. Um, it may not shock you to learn that Iowa is falling apart in February. <clears throat> A tradition unlike any other. They've lost four or five. Their lone win coming against uh, your Michigan State Spartans. And I'm sorry that I don't respect the University of Iowa's basketball program. They went 11 and nine last year with a national player of the year candidate and they returned everybody and they're all their production and they're on pace to go 12 and eight in the conference. So no, I'm not shocked to learn that Fran McCaffrey is stumbling down the stretch and blaming everyone but himself. It brings me a touch of joy. I won't lie, but what a disappointment in Iowa city. I mean, truly this is the best and most talented team that Iowa has ever had. No hyperbole. And they're on pace to go 12 and eight in the conference. And I don't care how good it is. You have a national player of the year candidate. Come back. It's not like he's emerged. He's here right. again. <laughs> and you have the firepower around him. And they just, they're just not tough, man. I mean, I think Dakich said it last night. Um, for what it's worth, I want to get on the board with him that, when he's when Dakich isn't focused on being a complete, you know, shock jock, he can bring value to broadcasts. He's just too narcissistic to to realize it's not about him. Um, it's about right. the game. Regardless, he called out that, you know, I was just not tough. They never have been. The program isn't. They are mentally weak as a program. It's a culture. He's right. Um, and that's one of the angry things that has angered uh, MSU fans and um, you and me, Austin, is that we are seeing Michigan State be mentally weak and not tough. And that's just something that Tom Izzo has built 
this team, his programs to never be. And I think maybe that's our, our rooted frustration more than anything. What do you yeah, think? I think a lack of toughness is, is apparent. I mean, and it's, it's a, it's a pairing of a lack of tough. You don't have, I think the biggest problem with MSU is you don't have what you need from the guys you need it from. Like you have toughness in Julius Marble. You don't have toughness in Marcus Bingham. That's a problem when the, you need those X factors and you don't have it from there. Like you need toughness from Rocket Watts. And yeah, he made a couple nice plays down the stretch. Obviously that, that rebound was a great maybe half step forward, but fact of the matter is he is not mentally tough in that he falls back into the same terrible habits he's had. Uh, and honestly, even regressed from the second half of last year, pretty significantly. Um, you don't, I don't think you have toughness in Joey Hauser. I mean, mentally, mm-hmm. I don't think he's tough at all. He's, I think we've seen him mm-hmm. be streaky and not confident. And, you know, I, again, that's natural. I think for players to an extent, obviously they're athletes and that, you know, you take those things personally, but like, you gotta be able to shake that off and he's not able to shake that off. So I think it's a lack of, yeah, mental toughness. I think it's a lack of leadership. I mean, Aaron Henry, we said this early on in the year, like, wh- what are you? are you a vocal leader or are you that second or third banana who was just kind of supporting the guy who's actually leading the team? And I think it's pretty obvious with this team that he is that second or third banana, which is, which is fine. He's a very, very good in that role. It's just, you need more from him or you need it from somebody else. Josh Langford's 24 and he's not speaking up. I mean, you're not going to respect a guy like Foster lawyer. Foster lawyer has got the tum tum near and complex um, where he's, yeah, maybe he wants to be the talk talking guy and the leader, but he's not good enough to be respected in that way by his peers. So you're at this like crisis of leadership and this team doesn't respond to Izzo's hardcore style. So now he's trying to be somebody different. This team has really lost its uh, identity. And I just don't know. And that's not a long-term thing. Like, like you get a new group of players in next year with all those freshmen that are coming in that honestly, from a talent perspective and from a fit perspective, forget Imani Bates, Aikens, uh, Christie and Brooks alone are going to be, th- I mean, imagine if you had those three guys this year, the mm-hmm. level of athleticism, creativity, and shot making, they alone are going to fix a lot of the problems that this roster has, in my sure. opinion. Yep which will recreate hopefully that chemistry that make certainly make the coaches jobs a lot easier and make that toughness. Maybe that MSU identity comes back, but in the short term, I just don't know, unless you have some big moment, somebody makes some big change. You get an Adrian Payne type development from somebody. You just are what you are. You're a team that's going to fight to make the tournament and that's it. Hey, um, it's what, it's what we have. So, you know, we will watch, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the games uh, and, and, and hope for improvement, you know, um, I, I have no reason to believe that this team can't beat Iowa. As I outlined, I'm not impressed with Iowa. There's nothing that, I mean, Garza gets, I'm never ref guy. Garza gets a lot of calls. I think that's the thing to watch out in this game is how, um, the game is called. And if MSU is pretty deep on the front court, you know, intents and purposes, this is a great game for Maddie Sissoko to get minutes. Sure. He, he's the perfect body um, to guard uh, Garza inside and out because of his length. You know, Garza is a quite a, a nice long distance shooter. Um, I, I, I love 
this matchup for Michigan State. I love that this is at the beginning of the first half of the game at Iowa. It forced Michigan State's offensive identity to exist, to stop thinking and just play. You know, Iowa lets you do that because they don't have any interest in playing defense and they want to move fast. So, yeah, I hope that, you know, this is a game um, Michigan State can win because Iowa's going through their own problems right now. They're a mess. Mm -hmm. They are a mess. And um, Fran is going to, there's a prop bet for Fran to get a tech, might want to take it. He's going to lose it, this one. And uh, he's going to lose his mind. And um, this is this is the time for Michigan State to take full advantage of a, a struggling team um, who's looking to blame everybody but themselves. So I, I hope um, MSU can, can pull this one out. I think they can. I think, um, as we've t- said in the past Iowa game previews, don't get too high or too low. Scores are going to be scored. It's going to be in bunches. Um, and I'd like to see... Uh, guys like Joey Hauser feel a little more, bit more comfortable in this game and letting it fly because if he can start hitting shots, I think that starts to change things um, for this team. Yeah, I mean, you, you need something like that to break. Otherwise, you're just going to keep doing what you're doing and, and cross your fingers and hope to get lucky. Um, but yeah, this, like you said, this is a game that hopefully the offense can get going a little bit. Joey Hauser, obviously, prime candidate for that, but. Um, We'll see. This is a winnable game. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't dis- I don't disagree with you, uh, but I'm just I'm kind of in like the prove it mode right now. I feel good about Bingham and Garza matchup, and as we mentioned, sure. feel good about. The only thing I would say that I would like to see in this game is to go at Garza. They hide him quite a bit in that little matchup zone, which is smart. Um, but I have you know the, one of the MSU's. They have no low post scoring offense outside of Aaron Henry and Joey Hauser. I mean, you can't yeah. feel confident. You haven't seen anyone run sets to get Bingham, Marvel, or Sissoko the ball on the block because they're just really not um, that confident in it. Um, I would love to see someone go into Garza's chest and make him play defense. Like, yeah. let's let's make that guy work a little bit on the defensive end because we know he's going to get 30 touches on offense. So um, I think that's one way to change the game. And the other thing, last thing I'll say about this game is win the minutes when Garza's not on the floor. You're better than that team. You're at least as good as that team at worst um, when Garza's not on the floor. Make them pay when he's not playing. And uh, I think things will break the Spartans' way. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, not to belabor the point here, but what we're realizing at this point in time, especially in a game like this, is that I think Emma losing Xavier Tillman was underhyped in terms of the the losses coming into this year from a personnel standpoint. I mean, obviously, everybody knew what losing Cassius Winston would do. But like you said, losing that grinder, that guy you can who can who shut down Luca Garza for the last two years, mm-hmm. um, that guy who's going to fight for every single rebound, set the tone. I mean, from what he did from a locker room perspective, I think it's missed as much as what he did on the court. You know, you'd have to think that a guy who's going out and getting 10 and six in the NBA uh, a few times already this year would really benefit this team uh, again, not only on the floor, but, but off the court. So um, I think, you know, again, this is a big prove it. Like you said, this is your opportunity, Bingham, go and go and do your thing. And then maybe we all feel a little bit better, but I'm with you. Winnable game. We'll see how it goes. All right. Should we take a break and come back for football? Let's. 
Here we go. Damn, we're back, John. We are back, and so is the Big Ten football schedule. Hey, now. The third release, fourth release in the last year. Pretty pumped about it. Um, this was fun. It was a nice little surprise for me. I love when the schedule drops. And, um, folks, things bounced seemingly the Spartans' way. What do you think, Austin? I mean, yeah, I, you know, um, I'm certainly not mad about it. It was nice to have, you know, a couple of things I think people were worried about were mainly was the fact that MSU might end up having to go on the road to play Michigan um, in back-to-back seasons. Now, that ended up not happening. The uh, Michigan game ended up getting played, is going to be played in East Lansing this fall. Not only that, but it's going to come right after a bye week. Um, I Again, I that's about as good a break as you're really, in my opinion, going to catch. One thing I thought was interesting is that um, it does look like Michigan State only has one buy, whereas mm-hmm. some other teams have two built in. So I think that's an interesting wrinkle. Maybe those are just spaces that are being held for games that'll be rescheduled. But um, yeah, I, you can't complain. I mean, I think I think you kind of it's funny when you think of a college football schedule, you're like, OK, got some winnable games early. Plus, in that first you know, four games, we play our one big non-conference opponent. And then ideally, we keep growing, and then we play our really big opponents at the end of the year when we're playing our best football. That's basically how this all breaks down. I think the interesting exception to that uh, is potentially week one uh, hosting, excuse me, on the road against Northwestern. I mean, we're going to learn a lot in that game, and I'm going to tell you right now, from an aesthetic standpoint, I don't think it's going to be very beautiful to watch. Northwestern traditionally very slow out of the gates. Uh, MSU, new quarterback, probably. Um, <laughs> and I don't know. It, it, it could get ugly, but could det- you know it's going to be a pretty good tone setter for the rest of the year. I I want to take a Mac, you know, a, a step back and you know calibrate expectations. I think Austin, you and I both agreed that the goal this year, realistic goal this year, is to to go 500, get to a bowl game. Yep. I mean, that's okay. That's the positive step from year zero to year one. You know, that that is welcomed. And then you go from there. You mentioned um, some of the other amazing parts about this schedule is that playing Ohio State and Penn State to end of the year, I don't think you could pick a better time to play them. Because when you're overmatched um, t- talent-wise, it can get... It could get ugly, <laughs> as we saw this year playing Ohio State. Having that, that there's a mental toll to that too. So you know, kind of saving that to the end. Um, hopefully, you're in a position where you're already bowl eligible going into those games. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're not, then you're playing for that. Um, that's that's a best case scenario, I think, in my opinion. And um, the last little nugget that uh, we haven't called out. Playing Nebraska in the second Big Ten game, I think um, no one really knows what to make of them in a make-or-break year for Scott Frost. But the little note I would make about that is they'll be coming off of a game at Oklahoma going into uh, East Lansing. And that seems bad for them. So I, I'm, 
I am liking that little part of the schedule footnote as well. So a lot of things, um, a lot of positive things to look at in the schedule. I think six games is, wins is definitely on the table. That should be the expectation. What do you think? Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, I hope that everyone is aligned uh, in terms of what the expectations are for this season. I mean, you went two and five, year one, weird year. The expectation should be to take a reasonable step forward. I mean, not only because you have, um, you know, another year under your belt, but it should be a relatively normal year. Uh, And in addition, um, you were able to bring in a good amount of talent from the transfer portal. I'm sure that is not finished. Um, you've got coaches that are in their second year, all of this good stuff. I mean, really, you should expect to see a, a tangible step forward. And with that, I, I agree with you. I think a bowl appearance should be table stakes for what you should expect this season. And I really, you know, what I tend to do when I look at a schedule is break it down into kind of three different chunks. You've got your beginning, your first four games, your middle four games, and your last four games. And really, when you're trying to just get to six wins, you need to find two in each one of those chunks in order to feel really confident about making a bowl game. Obviously, you'll build in some padding and say, yeah, well, if we go three and one here, to your point, John, we can actually afford to go one and three down at the end. But I, I mean, I look at the, the, these chunks of games and ultimately um, – I don't think six wins is is out of the question at all. And John, actually, you and I have very similar, actually the exact same win projections um, moving moving into this season. But the first four games, I mean, we'll just go through it real quick. You start at Northwestern, then against Youngstown, then at Miami, and then Nebraska at home. I think you touched on this a second ago. I, I don't see any reason why two and two, if not three and one. Um, I don't know that I would expect three and one just because I think we'll learn a lot after Northwestern. But you know, in, in my opinion, I think you got to have Youngstown State. I think if you, you get one of the two against Northwestern and Nebraska, and then you you lose against Miami, you know, boom, you're at two and two. Second uh, group, you've got Western Kentucky at home, then at Rutgers, at Indiana, a bye week, and then Michigan. Again, got to have Western Kentucky, split Rutgers and Indiana. I, I'll concede losing Michigan for now, but I think as we've all seen, that is at worst a 50-50 game any given season. So even in this two and five year, MSU managed to 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 go on the road and, and beat U of M. So again, I think two and two, very achievable there. I, I think both of those first two brackets of four games could easily be three and one brackets. I don't think it would be outrageous for Michigan State to be sitting at six and two going into their last four games. That's optimistic. Don't misconstrue that. But I don't think it's impossible. Realistically though, let's say they're sitting at four and four. Then you go into this last chunk, and this is where things, I think if you do, if you are four and four, get a little murky because you have to go at Purdue, Maryland at home, at Ohio State, Penn State at home. So you start with at Purdue. Now that's the week after Michigan. If you lose that game, you probably have a better chance against Purdue, to be honest, because you're fired up and you're like, oh, we got to get that taste out of our mouths. If you beat Michigan, you it, that's a real big test. And you got to say, okay, we got, we got to now concentrate on this next game on the road against the Purdue team that, I mean, listen, that you you never really know what you're going to get, but you know, they're going to throw the ball. Um, Maryland, I think if Talia Tagovailoa is healthy, you saw what they can be in spurts last year. Um, I like that we're getting them at the end of the year, John, (laughs) we were joking before because they'll probably be on like their seventh quarterback because that's just what Maryland does. Um, Four guys. Yeah. And that's at home. So again, you'd like to think you can at a minimum split those two. 
then you really get into the tough part. Because if you're sitting at five wins, if you're five and five and you got to go on the road to Ohio State and home against Penn State, that's tough. That's tough. Uh, I mean, Penn State, I think, obviously isn't necessarily the Penn State that they have been before. They were bad this past year. Ohio State's got to replace a ton of people, but it's Ohio State. I'm very confident that they are going to be just fine from a talent level. So uh, I think when you try to break this down, you really, more than anything, you have 12 games to get six wins. MSU should really be looking at it as we want to get six wins in our first 10. If you can get six wins in your first 10, you're making a bowl game. You beat one of Penn State or Ohio State somehow, and it's it's gravy. But that being said, I look at those first 10 games, and I absolutely think there are six wins in there to be had. Now, that's sitting here today with not knowing what Anthony Russo will look like in green and white without knowing if Jared Horst is, you know, uh, truly a P five type of player, you know, without knowing anything about what that defense is going to actually be able to do from a pass rush or coverage standpoint. So, um, and really even what the final product of the roster is going to ultimately look like. So today I don't think it's ridiculous at all for them to get to six and six. And honestly, I think as we move forward, uh, my personal confidence will probably even grow because i'm sure there are additions to this roster that are that are on their way i don't know if you break things down in a similar way similar way john but i I feel pretty good about six and six yeah i think it's definitely on the table and um that's getting those bowl practices is it's just so important um and it'll be the goal um you, you know you mentioned you know what do they have on the roster you know we've started to hear a bunch of guys um deciding if they're coming back going um, but as a re- national recruiting um, goes, um, some pretty big news took place since we spoke. Um, you know, MSU did lose their number one overall recruit, uh, Rashawn Benny, to Michigan, who flipped at the last minute. It, that's a pretty devastating loss for a bunch of different mm-hmm. reasons. Um, losing an in-state kid, a kid that MSU thought that they had locked in for a long time, um, and then losing them to your in-state rival, especially considering the um, – kind of tough coaching situation Michigan has at the moment that that was especially jarring to, to lose him because of all of those reasons. There was a positive um, as you did um, get Keon Coleman, a two sport athlete who will likely be playing football and basketball, not taking a basketball scholarship, obviously kind of juries out on if he's going to be playing basketball at Michigan state. I know he's been, tearing it up at his Catholic school in uh, Louisiana. It also appears he's playing against me and Austin in high school. So take those quadruple doubles for what they are. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, yeah. man. We'll see if he's a big 10 basketball caliber player. Regardless, he is a big 10 caliber wide receiver. We know that. And um, that's an immediate need for uh, MSU is the wide receiver spot which was very deep last year and all of a sudden became um, a bit light. So he will probably even see the field considering how athletic he is. So those were like the big pieces of recruiting news. But, um, you know, I I think Keon Coleman might even, like I mentioned, see the field. What do you think? Yeah. Well, first to hit on Benny, it's never good to lose your top commit to an in-state rival. That's floundering. Like make no mistake. That's, that's not a good thing. Um, however, MSU did bring in three other defensive linemen, uh, which is, 
a good start. And honestly, at this point in time, if you look at their roster, there are like 20 something D linemen on this, on the roster. So listen, would you love to have them? Absolutely. Is it a bad loss? Yes. But the other thing I think people need to readjust as, and we've talked about kind of MSU graduating to the big boy school of recruiting and all of this stuff, this stuff happens. There will be times when MSU is on the other end of this type of stuff and we'll all be celebrating. So you got to be willing to kind of take the good with the bad when this is the style of game you're going to, you're going to play. But I think when you talk about great ways to bounce back. I don't think you could ask for a better one than Keon Coleman to your point. Um, receiver was a really thin position. I mean, MSU only had eight guys listed at receiver before Coleman committed. And that includes, you know, three, what are, will still be redshirt freshmen. Only one senior in that group and CJ Hayes, everybody else um, junior or below. So uh, I agree with you. I think Coleman will absolutely get a chance to play. Uh, early on. I think Mel Tucker has proven already that he is not afraid to play the young guys kind of no matter what. Uh, so if you're the best for the job, you're going to be the one that, that gets the job. Um, it opens up another interesting door because there are still some names on this roster as you kind of look at it that I will not be surprised to see enter the transfer portal uh, as things shake out. And I also think when you think about what does Michigan State still need to add to this roster, secondary and then receiver. I won't be surprised to see them add a big receiver if somebody is available. I know they've had, there've been guys from Georgia at the receiver position that have entered the portal. Wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Mel Tucker cash in on that. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him to add another defensive lineman uh, to make up for the loss of Rashawn Benny. I think I will say this when we talk about recruiting thus far in the Mel Tucker era, I don't think we've seen him truly flex his full on muscles yet. I mean, he's done a great job. I think Ma Gauteote, I'm just saying that all wrong. Him, <laughs> Keon Coleman, um, Wigginton, Vandermark. Uh, these guys are all impressive gets. I think it, uh, identifying AJ Kirk was a big get. Chuck Brantley's still a big get. Um, he's done some really good stuff. I think what you've seen in the portal is impressive, but in terms of true recruiting, mm -hmm. I think this next class is when you'll really start to be able to judge his level of success. Now, again, you don't want to lose Rayshon Benny. It sucks to lose a top 100 kid that could contribute on either line. That's net. We're not trying to sugarcoat that, but MSU's roster isn't at the point where it's make or break or anything like that. So I'm, going to truly start judging Mel moving forward, starting with this class. That's probably fair. <clears throat> I mean, year zero happened, a couple good things happened, a couple bad things happened. Um, but now it's time, you know, no more excuses. You are what you yep. are at this point. So, um, and I have, I think there's reason to believe there's confidence in that though, as we've seen, seeing, a few 2022 commits that you can feel good about and especially on the inroads he's been seemingly having uh, with a lot of guys that frankly past regime was never in a position to be getting like some pretty high yep. caliber guys and they're not going to get all of them and that's okay but the fact that you're in the conversation is just kind of new and um you know you hope you start to see those land um in the very near future so hey we got our positive pants on for the football team. That's, That's right. Yeah. Wow. What a, what a reversal. <laughs> <laughs> 
since not too long ago. Uh, usually we're the other way around this year. We're feeling, you know, let's, the guys just 2020 wasn't great. Okay. Let's just, but I, I hate to be the one to break that news to everybody, but 2020 <laughs> was not great. This basketball season started in that year. So that's a, where I'm lumping it in 2021, you know, I think is going to be a much kinder year to Michigan State Athletics. I'm very excited about it. I love it. And let's start it off the right way this Saturday. That's all I got. Yeah, make us look less cranky next week. How about that? Yeah, make me look like less of an old man. I would really appreciate that. (laughs) That'd be great. And guess what? As soon as I feel it, I'll be on here screaming that this team can go back to the Final Four. But until then. Natty. Natty. Natty (laughs) Undefeated? Will we lose another game? Um, Ever? Uh, yeah. All right. Well, that's all I got, John. You got anything else? No, let's, let's wrap it. All right. All right, everybody. Thanks as always for sticking with us. Uh, for John, this has been Austin and we will catch you guys next week. See ya.